feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And it was emotional. It was gut-wrenching. And there are no words to describe the pain. There are no words to describe the heartache. There are no words to describe what I witnessed today firsthand. And it was just unbelievable to see the sea of men and women in blue coming out for the funeral of slain NYPD officer Wilbert Mora. And I was deeply honored to attend the service today, and the whole world was watching this moment. And everybody, you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show tonight. In just a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Andrew Giuliani. And Andrew was out there also at the funeral today. Also, his father, Rudy Giuliani. I also saw Congressman, former Congressman Peter King. Um, Also, Governor Kathy Hochul was there. Mayor Eric Adams was there. And most importantly, the men and women in blue. And I just have to tell you, I was so emotional today. There was something that no words can describe. Watching the mother of Wilbert Mora getting the flag that was draped on his coffin, folded and then handed to her by the NYPD, and her looking up to the sky and praying and saying, my son, my son. It was the most heartbreaking thing I think I have seen in a long time. And to look at the faces of the brave men and women of the New York Police Department, and of all the police departments across the country, because they were not alone today. The world was watching this incredible, powerful funeral. And there were men and women from different police forces that literally came from around the globe. There were some from the Middle East that I met. I saw officers from Florida. I saw officers come in from California. I saw many of them, of course, from New York, and there were thousands upon thousands of them there lining the street. And you could have heard a pin drop when the family came out just to see the respect that they had for the family of now Detective Wilbert Mora because he was posthumously promoted. And he was, of course, one of two NYPD officers, two young officers who were slain after responding to a domestic disturbance not too long ago. And to see his family's face and to see the face of his family in the NYPD and all these different units across the country, they are just so angry. They are heartbroken. They are demanding change. And to be in there among a community of heroes 
it was gut-wrenching for me to look at their faces and to be there just a few feet away, basically, from the mother when she was getting that flag and saying goodbye to her son for the last time. Her son, who she came from Dominican Republic to New York, who dreamt of being a cop his whole life, who had the biggest smile on his face and was just so thrilled when he graduated from the academy. He was the best, and he is the reason why we in America are so lucky to have so many great men and women like this. And for me today, it was just such a real privilege to be inside that funeral. And uh, I don't think there was a dry eye in the place. I get emotional just thinking about that moment. And I hope that all of you, if you have not seen the video, make sure that you watch it because you will never forget the sacrifice that our great men and women in blue do every single day to, to protect communities across the country. Every day we have these incredible men and women who put on these uniforms and selflessly go out there. They don't get paid a lot of money. They get some of this crazy, ridiculous comments from people on the street. They have repeat offenders that they are constantly dealing with. They are dealing with so many issues right now, and yet every day they put on that uniform and put on that badge and are so proud to be able to defend all of us. So tonight we're going to be talking about how lucky we are to still have great men and women across this country who raise their hand and want to be police officers, and also to talk about this incredible life that was honored today that the world was watching. And I have sadly been to a number of police funerals. But this was unbelievable to see the thousands and thousands of them lining the street. It was like for miles in front of St. Patrick's Cathedral and to see Cardinal Timothy Dolan there and to see all these priests. And you could just tell that this was gut wrenching. This was going to be one of the most memorable moments, I think, in many of our lives. And if this does not hammer home that we need to stop this crazy no-cash bail, that we need to make sure that we back our men and women in blue, I don't know what does. What does it take? You know, we had family members pleading today, begging for change, and your heart just breaks with them. And I want to hear your thoughts because we cannot let Wilbert Mora, we can't let Jason Rivera, we can't let their deaths be in vain. And we can't let the deaths of police officers, whether it's in Los Angeles or whether it's in Houston, there have been so many of late. How do you think we can best honor them and their memory? And what do you think we need to do now to change the system, to make it right for police officers and make it wrong for criminals? It's one 800 848 and you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell, who today I thought was extraordinarily powerful when she spoke at the funeral for Wilbert Mora, talking about this is unforgivable, that here they are in less than a week at another police funeral. And today we find ourselves here where no one should ever be for the reasons that we are. An ocean of officers shouldn't have to line streets for the second time in five days to mourn the appalling loss of a 27-year-old son and brother, gathered in and around a place that so grandly represents the enormity of faith. 
And what is so amazing, and when you think about the guts of our men and women in blue, the inspector, Inspector Catali, who is head of the 32nd Precinct, where both of these slain officers were a part of, well, he got up and described for the, the first time basically the final moments of this incredible hero. And he described how they just were responding to a routine call, like so many police officers around the country responding to what they think is just a traffic stop, or in this case, it was a domestic violence call. So they go to that call. By the way, it was only about a block from their precinct. And they go to the home. They're talking to the mother. The mother says, I'm having a fight with my son. They go to the bedroom, head towards the hallway where the, where the bedroom is, not knowing what is about to happen. And he comes out and opens fire on them. And today we heard of the unbelievable courage of this 27-year-old officer, Wilbert Mora. And literally, his final breath was firing. He was firing back as he was being shot. And think about the guts. He is, you know, partner has already been shot. He's being shot and he is continuing to fire until his last breath. Wait till you hear about the real hero here. This is Wilbert Mora and we're hearing about it from his boss about his final moments. The seemingly routine and innocuous call for, innocuous call for help quickly escalated into a firefight. With limited space and cover, Wilbert used precious seconds while still in the line of fire, to return fire. Being the born leader and protector that Wilbert was, he didn't freeze but fought back, trying to stop the threat and hopefully save others. To the Mora family, and especially his brother Wilson, know that Wilbert went out fighting. Although he's gone, you can be proud that like you, he was a soldier and a warrior and tried to protect himself and his fellow brothers. Wow. Think about that. His final moment was still firing back from his training. He had only been in, you know, in the force for just a few years, born in the Dominican Republic. And then he came over here as a young child with his family. And we also heard that plea for change, that begging from the family. And if there's anybody that we should be listening to, it's the family members of these slain officers. Remember last week, we heard from the widow of slain officer Jason Rivera, who was the partner of Wilbert Mora. This is what she said to all of us when she did the eulogy. The system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore. Not even the members of the service. I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. Wow. And we heard a very similar comment today with Corinna Mora, who is the sister of Wilbert Mora. She spoke in Spanish, and here's a translation of what she had to say. How many more lives of those who protect us have to be seized from us by violence and crime? The officers of the NYPD protect us, but who protects them? Take action. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And in their honor, we got to make sure that the good people across the country got to speak out to politicians, especially to these DAs who are soft on crime. The world has to know that this cannot be tolerated. We have to respect 
law and order and appreciate their sacrifice. Appreciate that they have family members, that they had parents, that they had a sister, they had a brother, they had loved ones there, and they had that whole family of men and women in blue, literally from around the world, that came in. And if you could have seen that motorcade, it went on for, I would think, about a half hour. I mean, it was just going and going and going. And then at the same time, you look up and you saw the helicopters. There were eight helicopters doing this flyover. It was one of the most breathtaking, beautiful moments. And again, Fifth Avenue, New York City, in front of St. Patrick's, you know there's a lot of traffic there. Any of you that have visited New York or have spent time in New York, you could have heard a pin drop. It was sheer silence, probably for about an hour. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the funeral for slain NYPD cop Wilbert Mora, now Detective Wilbert Mora. And I was so honored to attend the service today. And it was just, it was unbelievably emotional. Unbelievable. Um, I want to play a little bit. This is Keyshawn Sewell, the NYPD commissioner, talking about just how Wilbert Mora was so loved. And he was the kind of guy that you'd want as a cop. Wilbert was the perfect candidate to join the NYPD. No one had to tell him to become a police officer. It was all he ever wanted to do. It was the most loved, significant, inextricable part of his life. And Wilbert's brother, Wilson Mora, just spoke from his heart. I just want you to know that I was always proud of you. You chose a life of service to your community and to our adopted country. Your fellow officers were not only co-workers, they were friends and family, and now they're my family. I love you, baby bro, and I will always miss you. And I think America's going to miss Wilbert Mora and Jason Rivera. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Joan in Manhattan. Um, Joan, your thoughts about all this? Uh, Rita, it is so good to talk to you. Um, you and Dominic, you have a heart. You have a heart, so I can express myself. And you know, I know you understand my tears. Thank that you. was the most, the most, um, how can I say, gut wrenching, but beautiful, but gut wrenching uh, uh, funeral. And um, you can't help, you can't help but just, you know, uh, feel for this. Um, um, uh, you know, I have an idea. Um, for honoring our men in blue. And I thought about this after uh, uh, after Jason Rivera, uh, his funeral, and now, of course, this one. Um, I think we should have marches from City Hall down to or up to Gracie Square or, or vice versa saying um, 
Blue Lives Matter. Enough is enough. And we should have one every single week because I swear to God, Rita, I don't want to watch one of these funerals again. It is too heartbreaking. It is too heartbreaking. This man, William Mara, for some reason, um, Wilbert Mara, I... I, I felt his spirit, you know, and I I felt like he was just um, there, like smiling down and just with that big smile. And it's just like you said, um, you know, it, it, how how can we watch this anymore? And- I agree. And you know what? I, you know, I, I'm obviously very emotional tonight because I got to I was sitting there watching the mother and I had um, the great honor. I was in a row with family members of other slain officers. And I was sitting there and I'm being introduced to them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've covered that story. I know exactly who that family member was. And, you know, saying thank you and giving them a hug to me was like, you know, how do you say thank you for the sacrifice that their loved ones and they were there to come out to support the Mora family? I mean, how extraordinary are these people? And, And you're right, enough is enough. Good people have to stand up like you, Joan, and other people listening because they are our precious resource. And we are so lucky to have gutsy, courageous men and women like that. And and I feel the same way that you do. I feel like I never met Wilbert Mora in life, but I feel like I absolutely know him now. And I know his spirit. And I know I feel privileged that I was able to learn about him and to be able to share that with all of you. I want to continue your calls after the break and hear how you think we can best honor these incredible heroes and make sure this doesn't happen again. You heard how Joan feels. You heard how I feel. I'm very emotional today after being at the funeral. And also, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Andrew Giuliani, who also was there at the funeral, and get his take on what this means and where we go from here. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, we are honoring, as you know, murdered NYPD, now Detective Wilbert Mora. I attended the funeral today and our next guest did as well. Um, Andrew Giuliani is going to be coming up in just a moment to talk about what he saw and just how moving this was. But one thing that I thought was so beautiful that we wanted to highlight in Back the Blue was that not only was Wilbert Mora a hero in life, he was a hero in death. And today we heard during the funeral, Patrick Lynch, who is head of the Patrolman, the Police Benevolent Association in New York, described the very courageous and heroic decision that Mora's mother had to make. The son was, she knew that there was no way he was going to come back, and she made the decision to give life to others. Take a listen. You made a decision to give the best of your son, the gold standard of life, a gold standard of his soul, his heart, his organs, so it doesn't make it easy for you. It's not going to make it easy for our police officers as they go into that muster room and they know there's an empty spot when his name is called. But realize the courageous decision that you made that no one in this church would want to face and may not have the courage to do. Know that you have now given 
renewed life to five other people. Unbelievable. He donated five of his organs, including his heart. Take a listen to Pat Lynch describing beautifully what that means. Because you saved their son, their daughter's life. They will hear the heartbeat of a hero in that heart. We hope those that get it stand up to what this man stood for. Use that heart. Use those organs. Do good in this world. Help us change the world like these two men wanted us to do. Wow. Think about just what a passionate, amazing, the person who received his heart, the heart of a hero. And joining us now here on the Rita Cosby Show to talk about the funeral, who was with me there and uh, also didn't have a dry eye as well, is Andrew Giuliani, New York GOP gubernatorial candidate. Um, Andrew, you know, I've been really emotional tonight um, because it was just so moving to be there and to see these men and women in blue and to be there with you and your father. I felt so privileged for all of us to to be a part of the NYPD family and the family of heroes. What were your thoughts today, first of all, Andrew? Well, you know, what Pat Lynch was hitting on there, I think it's such a perfect description of what so many of our men and women in blue and what the NYPD is, right? I mean, even at the moment of death, uh, Detective Mora and his family were still saving New Yorkers' lives. That is the NYPD, and that's this incredible organization, not just this incredible law enforcement organization, but truly one of the greatest organizations in the United States. Um, And, you know, thinking over the last, you know, few weeks, but certainly over the funerals of officers Rivera and Detectives Mora, um, and seeing, you know, the sea of blue out in front of St. Patrick's, as we were talking about that, uh, Rita, before, you know, I I don't want to have to go to St. Patrick's until uh, until Easter Sunday and then till midnight mass. That's when I go there as I go to my local parish. But I don't want to have to go to another one of these funerals for a while. Um, but, you know, they've been told, the NYPD has been told for the better part of eight years uh, that they are the problem. Uh, when you hear something like what Detective Mora did and his family did and the sacrifice that they made, you see that this truly is a department of heroes. This is not just one individual case. This is one of the greatest organizations in the United States of America. And we should be very, very proud that we have the best police force in the country right here in New York. And unfortunately, to hear uh, not just out of touch Hollywood actresses, they're going to say all kinds of crazy stuff. But to hear state assembly men and women uh, talk so ridiculously about our NYPD to compare them to Nazis uh, is disgusting. It really, really is. Yeah, it is. And by the way, I want to tell everybody you're referring to a Democratic Assemblywoman, um, Nyo, who came out. I couldn't believe this. She actually said um, that seeing all these NYPD cops taking the subway as a frightening show of intimidation and a massive health risk and comparing it to a group of officers, basically, to the Nazis. I mean, today, seeing this big crowd, like seeing a big crowd of officers was threatening. Um, to me, it was comforting. It was incredible. It was inspiring. And then also, I don't know if you saw this also, Andrew Giuliani, but actress Susan Sarandon, um, could I couldn't believe she came out with a tweet, um, basically saying, you know, um, I'm going to tell um, my kids that this is what fascism looks like. Um, uh, it was attached to a post 
of a sea of uniformed cops filling Fifth Avenue. It is outrageous. What is wrong with these, you know, ultra progressive people? Do, do they not understand these people are putting their lives on the line for us and sadly dying way too often? They don't because they live in a fantasy world. And, and that's what I expect out of, a, you know, out of touch Hollywood actress. I wouldn't expect that out of an elected official. Um, but uh, it, it never boggles my mind. It, it just uh, the, the depths that, you know, we'll hear uh, in terms of bashing uh, our police. But, but it's why, you know, and, and I think it's, it's why you saw this uh, sea of blue, not just to celebrate Detective Moore, not just to celebrate Officer Rivera. And, and like we saw, you know, eight years ago with Officers Ramos and Lou. Um, you know, this is a, a big family and, and they don't just care about the NYPD family. They care about the whole city. They care about every single one of us. And, and that's I mean, we, we saw that in what detectives Rivera and Mora did uh, in, in going in to stop this domestic violence dispute. Um, this is every single day with the NYPD. And the truth is, if New Yorkers don't wake up and realize that they are not just part of the solution, but they are the key to the solution in making sure that we get our city back under control. And that's just not from a crime perspective. That's also from an economic perspective. It plays a role in education. It plays a role in everything. They are the key to success. But, you know, we're talking about kind of the big political issues. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about Detective Mora, because I think that was one of the, the beautiful things that we got to see today, you know, how, how his brother and sister referred to him as a big teddy bear, um, you know, talking about the fact that he always made people feel happy wherever he went. And he loved playing his PlayStation 5. That was that was mentioned uh, in there, too. And, and then, obviously, as you highlighted, too, the fact that he saved five lives already as he's passed on uh, into heaven uh, is uh, is remarkable. And, and again, it, it's who Detective Mora was. But I think when you get to know so many of these men and women that don the badge, you realize that that's who they are, too. Absolutely. He represented, you know, everybody. But you're right. I feel like we like we got to know him. I feel like I know him now after after seeing his family and and hearing so much about him. What did you make also, Andrew Giuliani, what did you make of his sister who spoke? Um, she spoke in Spanish, but she came out and said um, in the eulogy that these two young men who wanted to make a difference and change in their city with their service and their sacrifice. And she said, basically, there needs to be change in the system, she kept referring to. And she said it has to happen before more are taken before their time like her brother. And it was very similar yeah. to what Dominic Rivera, the widow of Jason Rivera said, you know, say, you know, she basically, she came out and said the, you know, the, the laws, the DA's laws. I mean, she all but said, Al, you know, Alvin Bragg, you have blood on your hands, basically. You know, and in, in the broken Spanish that I can understand, I, I remember her saying, you know, no more brothers being buried, uh, no more police officers being, being buried. Uh, and I think really, look, this is going to depend on uh, whether or not we're going to have, uh, you know, the Democrats, which are right now in power all across New York, whether or not they have uh, the guts to stand up to some of the most radical people in their party and say, uh, you know what, uh, we need to trash bail reform. It's not only not working, but it is the, one of the major causes of crime spiking all around the state. Uh, we need to protect our officers' qualified immunity. We need to make sure that that's part of it. And, and to be honest, 
uh, Rita, and you're probably not going to hear this out of a Democratic state legislature, but anybody who executes a cop, um, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm happy to have the conversation about capital punishment if there's somebody that's going to come in and uh, execute a cop, because I, I have absolutely no tolerance for going after our men and women in blue, and, uh, and, and I will stand with them every step of the way. Absolutely. I 1000% agree. And of course, there was that off-duty cop who was shot at, you know, uh, last night. Also, by the way, in Los Angeles, there was a police officer, Fernando Arroyos, who was killed in a shootout with alleged gang members. I mean, this is just happening over and over. That's just in the last 24 hours, guys. I want to play, um, Andrew, this is a comment from Eric Adams, the new mayor, of course, of New York. This is what he said during the eulogy, and I want to get you to reply. Our city is going to do more than thank you. We are going to give you the resources to fight this senseless violence. It is New Yorkers against the killers, and we will not lose. We will protect our city. Now, I liked where he said he was very tough at the end there, New York against the killers. But then he also kept bringing up gun violence, Andrew. And I thought it was interesting. There are a lot of people who said, look, yeah, police want more resources, funds. But if you don't get rid of, you know, this no cash bail and this crazy bail reform, what does it mean? You know, if they're back out on the streets again right away, if you have these soft on crime DAs as they are around the country, including Alvin Bragg in New York. Yeah. And I would just point out, right, Adams is squeezed on both sides of this. And what I mean by that is he's squeezed by a governor above him who uh, chooses not to touch bail reform at all, not mention it in her state of the state speech. Uh, she's dealing with a state assembly and a state Senate uh, in terms of their leaders with Hasty and Cousins who do not want to touch bail reform at all. That's their baby. And they believe that this is uh, the, the new wave of the future. Unfortunately, if this is the new wave of the future, we're just going to continue to see crime going up. And unfortunately, we're going to have more and more of these solemn afternoons uh, and mornings at St. Patrick's. Um, and then on the bottom, he's got a D.A. in Manhattan who uh, still is looking at resisting arrest and saying, well, that's not a violent felony. Um, If that's the case, then you could put anybody in that situation and they're not going to be able to be a success in getting crime back down. So, uh, look, look, I certainly hope the mayor means what he says. um, But uh, if he does, then he's certainly going to need help from Albany. He's going to need help from Manhattan in terms of the DA's office to actually get this done. Uh, so so I'm I'm waiting to see when a Democrat outside of Eric Adams is willing to get up there, step up and say, you know what, we need to make sure that we protect our men and women in blue. But as importantly, we need to make sure that we're protecting the 8.5 million people that live in New York City, the 19.5 million New Yorkers who live all across the state, because the truth is these crazy laws that have come in the last couple of years. They're doing nothing but hurting us. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is It is insane. I totally, totally agree. Um, Andrew Giuliani, thank you so much, New York GOP gubernatorial candidate. And again, it was such an honor to be with you and your dad um, on such a powerful day. And again, in the company of heroes at the funeral today for Wilbert Moore there at St. Patrick's. Um, Andrew, thank you so much. Wish you so much luck, and you got to come back on. And uh, thank you for all you do for our men and women in blue and for the state of New York. Rita, thank you. It was an honor, certainly, to be there with you. And God bless Detective Mora, uh, Officer Rivera, and their families tonight and every night. 
Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. Great to have you here. Andrew Giuliani, everybody running for governor here in New York. The number is 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And we're going to take your calls when we come back. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about the funeral the whole world was watching today. And law enforcement from around the world came out for slain NYPD cop Wilbert Mora at St. Patrick's Cathedral. There were thousands inside. There were thousands upon thousands outside, uh, not just law enforcement, but also just people coming from around the world who flew in to pay their respects because they felt that they knew this incredible man. And this is the way Pat Lynch, he is head of the Police Benevolent Association, described Wilbert Mora when he was speaking at the funeral today. Your son is a true American hero. But more importantly than that, you are a true American hero family. And every police officer from around the world that packs this cathedral and lined that street and we'll leave our city and go to their towns. We'll go with faith that if I can do half of what he did in his short life, we will have led a strong life. Absolutely. And by the way, all of you, you definitely have to take a look at the Twitter feed for 77 WABC Radio, where I am based here in New York. Um, there is an incredible image up there. It is a breathtaking video of the face of Wilbert Mora, also an American flag, and that's what was in Times Square, the crossroads of the world. And, of course, visitors from around the globe always come to New York City. And there's some incredible footage that is up there. You can check it out on the 77 WABC Radio Twitter feed. And it was a way to honor the life of officer, now Detective Wilbert Mora, because he was not just an NYPD police officer who was a symbol of all that is good, of law and order, along with his partner, who was also killed in the line of duty, Officer Rivera. And WABC Radio and Times Square Initiative honored police officer Wilbert Mora today in the crossroads of the world. It is breathtaking to see one of the most famous buildings and locations in the world, one Times Square, and there is a big breathtaking tribute And you get to see this man who is known as a teddy bear and someone who is beloved by his men and women in blue. Make sure that you check it out. And just so proud that 77 WABC and Times Square Initiative was a part of this and letting the world know that this man and his sacrifice should never, ever be forgotten. Let's go to your calls, everybody. It's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tom in the Bronx. Tom, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Tom. Hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Love your show. Thank you my so much. A, I'm a very yeah, emotional, as you can tell tonight, because it was very emotional well, being there. Well, well, so am I, because my son, I have selfish reasons. My son is a police officer for nine years now. He did anti-crime for many years, took a lot of guns off the street, stop and frisk. And the minute that all that went away, it just went to, to hell. And he's doing other stuff now. He's on... Um, He's doing warrants, so he's actually getting the guys that have to go to jail now. But I text uh, the mayor 
because I have his phone number. We met some time back, and I told my son was on a police force, and he was thinking about bringing back the anti-crime. This is before he became mayor. And uh, I said, well, we could meet with my son, and he's very familiar with it. But I texted him not too long ago after these funerals, and I said to him, listen, you have a very, very, very short window because people have very short memories. Absolutely. And just like the and just like the two officers that got gunned down in their patrol car, in their minivan, before they put up these uh, uh, bulletproof uh, windows for the cops, you forget about these guys. And in two months from now, they'll be forgotten. Not by so us, though. Text- by the way, not by no, us no. and obviously not by you. That's for sure. But I told him, you have a short window now that you have to put the pressure to get this bail reform under control. And and do what you got to do and put the pressure because in a couple of months, they'll be doing something else. And this is what really has to be done. No, you're right, Tom. Tom, you are so right that it has to happen now. I mean, what does it take? We have seen the loss of so many police officers across the country. This is a moment now that should not be missed. Their deaths cannot be in vain. You are absolutely right. This is so powerful. Everybody, you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Tomorrow, President Biden will be visiting New York City to talk about crime, obviously escalating crime that is happening around the country. And crime is on the top of many people's mind. In some of the latest polls, 81% of voters are concerned about rising crime at an enormous level where they do not feel safe. And that is a major issue happening around this country. And tomorrow he is going to be meeting with New York City Mayor Eric Adams, talking about clamping down on guns and other things. Now, I contend, what about thug control? The Democrats seem so caught up in gun control. What about going after this revolving door of repeat offenders? When are we going to hear what they're going to do so they're not sympathetic to the victims? Uh, to the the criminals that they're not turning a blind eye to the victims you know the victims don't seem to have a say very much it seems like the criminals are often part of this revolving system getting a break from judge after judge after judge and the victims half the time find out the person's out because they hear about it in the paper they hear about some story that the person committed another crime elsewhere is that the way to find out absolutely not why do they not have a say well i hope Tomorrow, that President Biden gets grilled with many, many questions about crime because it is absolutely pivotal because this White House has been pretty silent. It's been like crickets, you know, so they haven't really said much about crime. It's like they want to pretend like it's not happening, almost like the open border. They want to pretend like that ain't happening. And it is just, I think, a travesty. And I think there's no way that they're going to fix this if they don't confront it head on. And actually tell some of these soft on crime DAs enough. 
I mean, I bet Biden tomorrow is going to talk about maybe more money, maybe giving some funds. That's great. I'm happy to hear that much more than defund the police, which I think is just unbelievable that there are still some who say that. But just throwing money at the police department, but then having these criminals come back out is not the formula for success. They need to help them on both ends. And this comes, of course, as today was a gripping and very emotional funeral for Wilbert Moore. I attended the funeral at St. Patrick's and there were thousands upon thousands of men and women in blue from all over the world that came out to show support for their fallen brother. And this is what Mayor Eric Adams had to say during the eulogy. You wear the blue uniforms, but your families feel it every day. Just as officers, Mora and Rivera family feel it today. It is why we are bound by our oath and our honor to stand together and salute his service as we commend his spirit. Let us pray for Officer Mora and for his family and friends. Their pain is our pain. And it's a pain that cities across the country are feeling. So what are your thoughts about what President Biden can accomplish by coming to very much crime-ridden New York City? He's coming to talk about guns. He's coming to talk about cleaning up the streets. What do we need to hear from the president tomorrow? And why did it take him so long to come to a major city that's riddled with crime? And do you think the fact that he was able to come tomorrow to New York City, maybe he should have come today? That might have sent a really powerful message had he come to the funeral today of now Detective Wilbert Mora. This is what Joe Esposito, he's a former chief at the NYPD, had to say. He said he had mixed reservations a little bit about whether Biden should come because he said it might be disruptive, but he also thinks he should have done something. He should not have let this moment just pass by. Take a listen. Him being there would have created chaos. Uh, he comes with tremendous detail. It would have taken the the attention uh, off the funeral and put it on him. So I think it was the right choice for him not to be there. Mm-hmm. Could he have sent a person with less higher profile, perhaps? Could he have sent a video statement, perhaps? But him not being there, I think, was the right decision today. So do you agree with this former chief at the New York Police Department, that maybe Biden shouldn't have been there, that it would have been too chaotic? Or do you think he should have come? This has been an enormous story to have two NYPD cops. And maybe when there's something as horrible as this, he should try to show up at some of these police funerals in New York or in Houston. There was one just recently in L.A. Wouldn't that send a powerful message that the White House is supporting you And that they will finally try to do something about this revolving door on crime. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. By the way, also in this hour, we are going to talk about a new COVID study that came out. It's from Johns Hopkins. And it basically says that the lockdowns did more harm than good. Are you surprised by that? I'm not. Because Dr. Fauci was all over the place. And we're also going to talk about the blockbuster that happened at CNN with Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN, having to leave 
of course, all coming back to Andrew and Chris Cuomo. We've got a lot going on in this hour, but let's take your calls, everybody. Let's go to Al in New Jersey. Al, your thoughts about all of this? Yeah, Rita, uh, first thing I want to say is that uh, uh, I hope all true Americans, certainly true Americans who are your audience, will remember un-Americans like actress Susan Sarandon, who, uh, in fact, disgustingly used the term fascist in the same sentence with the heroic cops who we have uh, seen uh, saluted at St. Patrick's. And I want to say on top of it, I believe Susan Sarandon ought to, Rita, go and live in Putin's Russia for a while if she doesn't like it here. Yeah, exactly. Send her to the gulag. Al, thank you very much for the call. Really appreciate it. Let's go to Ernesto uh, in Jersey City. Ernesto, go ahead. You know, um, the, the comment that Al had just brought up, from Susan Sarandon was she basically showed a tweet where she said, I'm going to tell my kids that this is what fascism looks like. Um, Posting a picture of thousands of New Yorkers and mostly of course, men and women in blue gathered at St. Patrick's today. I I mean, give me, are you kidding me? Ernesto It's disgusting. She is disgusting. And I think we should all march on on Washington DC on the white house and demand for law and order. I agree. We should all get together. I agree. I feel this on many levels as a Latino immigrant, but a a righteous, hardworking. uh, I just, I'm very disappointed. I don't trust the Democrats, and I'm not so. I'm not very uh, hopeful on the on the Republicans having the muscle or the fortitude to fight. Well, they got to. They they better put on their big boy pants and get the, on the fight because right now we're losing the war. You know, I mean, you look at what's happening in America. It is disheartening to hear of so many officers across the country and it's happening over and over again. And what more does it take, Ernesto, than having family members pleading at, you know, at the funeral services saying, please change, you know, basically, let's not have this revolving door. Let's not having this system. I mean, if you can't listen to these pleading family members who just lost their loved ones, uh, I don't know who you can listen to. If that's not going to make you move, I don't know what is, but it is time to exactly to to get our voices heard. Margaret in Michigan, let's go to you. Margaret, your thoughts about all this. Oh, hi, Rita. Um, I feel your frustration and sadness. I watched online um, the, both of the masses from here with my box of Kleenex. It oh. was very emotional. Yeah, what did you think? I you know, understand. Margaret, it was so moving, and and I'm telling you, I I, I get I'm I'm choked up now thinking of this mother getting the when she got. I, I was right across the street from her, literally looking at her face and her just praying to God and saying, um, "Why my son? Why my son?" I mean, it's it's yes. if that doesn't well, you know make you, know, you make it hit home, I don't know what does. I know. And I know you feel, you know, when you're all together at that moment, you want to harness that energy somehow. And that's what I'm I'm going to respond to. You said, what can we do? What can we do? Well, it's very small because obviously I'm so far away from you. But what if everyone within the sound of your voice could just pick a time, a moment in the day, and every single one of us who's listening right now says a prayer. It doesn't have to be a formal prayer if you don't believe in a if you don't have a faith, it could just be a positive thought to something kind that you think of those two men. And then also I want to include every firefighter, every policeman, every soldier, every single day. Like, you know, they have your six, you know, that expression yep. they say, yep, they sure. have your six, they yep. have your back. 
why don't we pick a time of the day? Just pick a time. Uh, maybe it's the time your show comes on, or maybe it's six or three. Pick a time where every one of us says something or feels something positive. Just start there. That's very small. I realize it's like lighting a candle. It doesn't feel, maybe it doesn't sound like much, but if you know that other people are thinking the same way you are, maybe across the country or in your city or in your neighborhood, it's more powerful than just you alone. You don't feel so alone. Absolutely. By the way, beautiful. Beautiful. Margaret, I I love that. It's just a thought. Margaret, it's better than a thought. It's a brilliant idea, and it's something tangible we can all do to keep their memory alive and make sure their deaths were not in vain. Real quick, I want to go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, let's go to you real quick. Your thoughts about this. Yeah, we have to honor, support, defend our police, but we also have to honor, support, defend our children. We have to honor, support, defend our military and country. We are being attacked like people wouldn't believe. These attacks, if you notice, are not going on in Cuba, communist China, or Putin, Soviet Russia. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't dare. Yeah, you, you know, no, you, because you, this is them attacking us. We're the ones under assault. Susan Saranda has decades of being involved in radical activities and causes with the communists. The communists wrote a book, The End of Policing, by Bob Vitali, V-I-T-A-L-I, The End of Policing. These are the people who, who, who thought this up and are implementing it. The Communist Party, the communist movement in America is extremely strong. Look what they've done. These but we have to win. Judges Jimmy, we have to win. You know, we have to win this fight because, you know, our society is going to heck in a handbasket. You know, and when you see you know, uh, just disenchanted men and women in blue after seeing, you know, their slain loved one. Uh, I don't know what more we can do. We have to make sure that we speak out and not let uh, the communists and not let anybody who doesn't appreciate law enforcement, you know, you can't let them overrule this. No way, no how. Um, Real quick, Mike and Elizabeth, real quick, Mike, your thoughts about this. Hi. Um as far as Biden going and attending and, or, or his position on a funeral not being there, I went up with a detail of cops to the Boston Marathon. I got a cop killed in the Boston Marathon uh, bombing. I remember that, yes. shot Sean yes. Collier, and I went up with a detail of cops there. And Biden was sent up to speak representing Obama. We went, the buzz in the, amongst us was, let's turn our back on them because their lack of support for law enforcement, he and Obama. And we decided not to do it out of respect to the Collier family. We didn't want him there then when he was vice president, and we don't want him among us now that he's president. I know. There's so many officers. You know, it's interesting, Mike. So many of them feel the same way you do, and um, they feel very disenchanted with him. Uh, He certainly has not been outspoken in his support of the men and women in blue. He hasn't reined in these loony progressives that are in his party that talked about defunding and everything else. He has to take a stand. He can't be talking out of both sides of his mouth and say, oh, I support the police, but then not really say anything about crime. I support the police, but then not reining in the AOCs and the Cory Bushes and all these people who have talked about defunding the police and, and just slamming the police. And his own vice president basically said, you know, America is systemically racist and the police department's that. That's what she said. And he agreed it, remember, after the whole thing that happened with Derek Chauvin. They they both painted the whole police force, basically, in America with one big, broad brush. And right now, I think that they have to clarify and, and say, hey, we made a mistake. You know, we were woefully wrong. We've had an epiphany uh, because clearly it's on tape what they said. 
but we need to stand with the good men and women in blue. They got to get a hold of this because it is so important. And if not, we need to tell them what we think. That is absolutely key. When we come back, everybody, we are going to talk about a blockbuster study that just came out by Johns Hopkins, reputable place. And guess what they determined? That lockdowns, well, I think we all knew this, didn't really work at all. And that a lot of the stuff Fauci said was all over the place and wasn't consistent and wasn't helpful. I think I knew that, too. But I want to hear what you think. 1-800-848-9222. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And it is a bit of a freeze frame and some crazy news now coming from Johns Hopkins that I think many of you are not really that surprised about. But it's interesting because it is coming from Johns Hopkins, which is sort of, you know, it's a well-noted medical facility. They don't always agree with things in the administration, but they often do. And they came out with a new study that is a bombshell, essentially saying that lockdowns during the first COVID-19 wave in the spring of 2020, only reduced COVID-19 mortality by 0.2% in the United States and Europe. That is stunning. We're not talking about even 2%, 0.2%. In other words, the lockdowns barely made a dent in mortality, barely made a dent in fighting the virus, that it did actually more harm than good in the sense that so many people lost their jobs, so many psychological issues, so many problems. And remember, the president said, oh, we're just going to maybe do it for 15 days. And it extended, it extended, turned out to be like 15 months, remember? Feels like 15 years, I think, to most of us. But what a shocker coming from Johns Hopkins basically saying, you know what? It did not work. So do you think that this may change the mindset of some Democrats? And what do you think of this finding? Do you believe that it confirms what many people believed all along, that this shutting down of the society, not just financially, but emotionally to our kids, think about all the businesses that were harmed, think about relationships that broke up because people were dealing with all the stress and the economic issues? Well, this is what Dr. Mark Siegel had to say about all of this. I'm saying what I've been saying all along. If you look back to the spring of 2020, the whole purpose of a lockdown was simply to decrease traffic to the hospitals temporarily for a two-week period of time. And we had a study out of New York City in retrospect back in 2020 that showed that 70% of the spread occurred within households. Only 1% occurred on subways or transportation. So we were saying, wait a minute, we're keeping people home. They're not using the subway they're not going to work guess what they're doing spreading COVID-19 that this is no surprise whatsoever and this doesn't even take into account this eye-opening study doesn't even take into account the enormous psychological mental health damage and, and damage to our businesses that we have not recovered from yeah so many issues that came from the lockdowns and so many of the politicians were just lockdown happy Remember, they were listening to Dr. Fauci who said, oh, yeah, we got to do it. It's the only way to go. He's also the same one who was talking about cloth masks. He was the one who was saying no masks, then masks. So how much do you blame Dr. Fauci for this? 
And what do you make of this new study? 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, just a few days ago on January 27th, Well, it was the anniversary of the 1973 Paris Peace Accords, which were signed ending America's involvement in the Vietnam War. The ceasefire opened the door for thousands of American soldiers to come home, and a ceremony at the Silent Wings Museum in Lubbock, Texas, recognized veterans for their heroic fight. The commander of the Veterans of Foreign Wars organization said of these heroes, they fought with honor and distinction and integrity. So we want to honor their sacrifice and let them know that we want them to see themselves the way that we see them as true heroes and really beautiful. And welcome home to all the great Vietnam War veterans. Well, we are talking, of course, about the fight over coronavirus and this blockbuster new study that came out from Johns Hopkins, which essentially says that the lockdowns didn't work, that all these lockdowns that took place, especially at the height of the coronavirus, only reduced COVID mortality by 0.2% in the U.S. and Europe. So uh, the, the kind of epicenters, other than China, that we're dealing with this, You know, you think about, remember, it was started in China, then it was Milan, then it was in America, all these places. After all of these enormous lockdowns that caused such psychological damage, such economic damage across the country, they basically did lots more harm than any good. And in the middle of all this, it's incredible because the progressives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going after social media companies. She's basically saying that many U.S. firms basically sabotaged the global response to COVID-19, that they were spreading disinformation. She said that they were giving wrong information, that they were opening up to too many different conversations. Clearly, the NIH and Dr. Fauci didn't know what they were exactly talking about. It's good that other people were talking about and trying to share ideas around the world. But AOC says that Facebook needed to be under control and that they played a big role in COVID misinformation as opposed to people in our own party. Take a listen. When you look at a company like Facebook and the completely corrosive uh, ways that they have exercised an abuse, I believe, in uh, in civil society writ large, not just our democracies, but you look at, for example, what we're hearing from other countries when we talk about production of vaccines or perhaps like uh, uh, what we can do to export help them. They, They say it's not just, there are some things that the United States provide that are welcome. There's also things that we want the United States to stop exporting. And one of those things is disinformation. And disinformation through U.S.-founded companies like Facebook that have absolutely slowed and, frankly, sabotaged the global effort to fight against the coronavirus. And this, of course, comes with all these people trying to push Joe Rogan off of Spotify 
um, Spotify, again, still holding fast with all of that and keeping him. But it's just been this crazy cycle. Is there anybody out there that actually thinks that Dr. Fauci has been the guiding light through all of this and has been consistent and has been giving us the right information? He's the one who was pushing for the lockdowns. He's the one who was pushing first with President Trump, and then he pushed it very much with President Biden. And he's the one who was saying first about cloth masks, then he was saying no masks, then he was saying, oh, no, these don't work, these other ones don't work. I mean, he has been all over the place. And Senator Rand Paul had this to say about Dr. Fauci. I mean, it was real disservice for Dr. Fauci to go around saying cloth masks don't do work because then you have an 80-year-old taking care of their spouse with COVID and wearing a cloth mask that has no value whatsoever. And that's a mistake. He, he caused people to engage in activities that they wouldn't have normally by telling them it was safe when it wasn't. And he also says that the information on the lockdowns just was basically throwing darts, that there was nothing consistent about it. Here's a little more of Rand Paul talking about that. But now we have lockdowns which are not based in science. And really, we know that by and large, masks didn't work. Plexiglass didn't work. uh, Six feet of distance didn't work. The one thing we do know that did work is vaccines and natural immunity. Those work to protect people from hospitalization and death and also slow some of the spread. So we should emphasize what works. And yet Dr. Fauci still isn't really talking about natural immunity. It's like vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. And he still hasn't really totally told us everything about that whole thing with the NIH grants tied to the Wuhan lab, whether they were gain of function, he's playing with words. There are still so many questions. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What do you make of this blockbuster study saying that the lockdowns don't work and the basic organizer of it was good old Dr. Fauci? Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Eric, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, uh, you're a Trump Democrat here. Um, we all knew from the beginning. I mean, I have never, ever heard of locking down healthy people. Uh, except, what is this, like 28 weeks later, that movie or a Stephen King novel? Yeah, I mean, that's it, true. I, I've never heard. I, it's ridiculous. They, they're always sending a message. And the message is um, you can't go to school. You couldn't go to work. You can't do this. You can't be productive. But you can go out and ride in the street like animals, um, like uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa and destroy stuff and be in crowds, no masks frosting at the mouth you know they're always sending a message and you you know what's interesting eric by the way you hit up a great point because remember early on in you know they were like you shouldn't even be outside remember it was like you you shouldn't even be like in the same city as someone almost you know and then yet when the protest took place they never complained and that was at that moment where they were telling people even if they were outside that they had to wear a mask especially if they were shouting or singing or speaking loudly and then they had the protests that were screaming down the streets of America and yet they never told those people hey go back inside you shouldn't be outside you should be wearing a mask I mean there was none of that suddenly it was like COVID was gone the minute the protests that they believed in were happening I mean, talk about a hypocrisy. Eric, you hit it on the head. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Phil, your thoughts. Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil, we'll get back to you. Let's go to Robert in Philly. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Rita, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Um, I'm wondering what AOC is talking about with misinformation. People who say cloth masks don't work banned for misinformation. People who said that natural immunity was better than the vaccines, 
banned for misinformation. People who do so many things so far that are coming out as being proven correct. What is she talking about by misinformation? Joe Rogan doesn't have some backache Yahoo spreading conspiracy theories. He has the doctors that actually made the mRNA. Right, right. Robert Malone. Exactly. No, exactly. And McCullough. And McCullough, who made the um, vaccine platform for Pfizer and Moderna. These are guys that are actually in. How could Fauci possibly know what these guys know? And the fact that they want to prevent us from getting that information, that they're restricting the use of antivirals, tells you that there's something really, really bad that's going on here. And I'm telling you, the information's going to come out and heads are going to roll. They have no idea what they've unleashed here. Yeah, I'm no, I, and Robert, no, 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 Robert, by the way, I understand what you're talking about because it's like Fauci has been so like intent on vaccine, 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 and not even talking about these antivirals, not even talking about, you know, natural immunity, any of these things. It seems like he's been on this one trick pony and we're understanding now. I mean, it's evolving. I would have had a lot more respect for him if he said, hey, here's what we know, but we're open to X, X and X and allowing all this information to come out because clearly a lot of the stuff He's told us has not been right. So you hit it on the head. He should be opening it. That's why I hate when I've heard these people who've been restricting it, because often the things that they have restricted turn out to be true, you know, a year later when more details come out. So don't shut it out. Just say, hey, we're trying to find out, you know, be genuine. This could be right. This could be right. Let's have a discussion. Let's see what doctors in different parts of the world are learning. But for some reason, Fauci was on this one trick pony. Um, and also has a lot of ties to pharma. So just like you said, who knows where at the end of the day this is all going to lead. And for some reason, he's not pushing China to get answers. And that, to me, is really, really fishy. It, it's something smells rotten in Denmark. And my mother is Danish, but I still feel that way, Robert. Thank you very much. Let's go to Sean in the Bronx. Go ahead, Sean. Hi, Rita. I'm a retired NYPD detective. What we're teaching uh, kids is fear. I applaud Eric Adams for opening the schools, but I have to say I dealt with him 30 years ago in the New York City Transit Police. I came into my command district one one morning at Columbus Circle, and we had flyers in our mailboxes from a fictitious white supremacist group called the Blue Water encouraging us to shoot our fellow cops. Black cops. Wow! Wait, wait, wait! No, where did this? Where did this come out? Where did you believe that that it was sort of a self-created, uh, you know, uh, animosity or trying to create these sort of tensions within the NYPD? But but let me let me just keep you focused, Sean, on this because we're talking about COVID. You brought up the point that we're teaching our kids fear, um, and I think that that's a really dangerous place to be just like you said and you think about the psychological impact that the lockdowns have had on kids too it's been devastating yes. hey, hey and, sean go uh, ahead well bratton had uh gotten the fbi involved and they traced the flyers back to every kind of brother's typewriter ribbon in midtown south well hey, sean sean i'm hearing you sean i'm hearing you and i will take a look at it well i i, I remember hearing some rumors about this, but I'm not sure if that was confirmed. But I also I do appreciate your call because I think it's really important. And I think, you know, listen, if there's something there, let's let's find out. Well, wherever the truth goes, we'll follow it. Sean, thank you. Let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah, my son has a pet hamster. Do you know what a hamster is? I sure do. 
It's basically a rodent, a rat that doesn't bite. If the hamster got sick, I would not allow that voodoo witch doctor, Fauci, to treat my son's hamster, because I don't even think he's qualified to do that. You're wor- you would be, you would be worried about the hamster. Removed. They should basically lock him up, and after they throw away the key, weld the door shut. Wow! So your uh, your hamster, your your little hamster, treated by Fauci, right? I would send a voodoo doctor or a witch doctor to treat my hamster, but my son's hamster before Fauci. That's how little faith I have in this quack, this phony bum. Well, and you think about the repercussions of him being all over the place. Because he you doesn't know? know anything, because right. he's an ignoramus. He's a moron. He doesn't know what to say, so he keeps changing the, the path that he's telling us to follow, because that's how stupid he is. At least if he had a little bit of a brain, he would stick to one path. But when you're a total moron, a total imbecile, a total idiot, you keep switching roads. So that's what Fauci did. Yeah, and boy, did he keep flipping and flopping. And yet, the most important road, and I keep going back to it, Michael, the most important road leading to China, where we still don't know about the origins, whether it was a lab, which is now obviously open for consideration by many people. Let's even say, even if you want to throw in the wet market, they won't even let us look at the wet market. They won't let us look at anything in China. And Fauci seems to be like, okay, let's move on. I mean, does that make any sense to anybody that he has not pressed that? I mean, if I were in his position, I'd be out there every day saying, China, we need answers. We deserve answers. You know, I'm at the helm of this all. I need to know. And he hasn't done that once. I mean, it's shocking. It is shocking. And this president, same thing. So it makes me wonder, to your point, Michael, why he is flipping and flopping and, and all this other stuff. It's really Unbelievable. Let's go to Karen in Rockland County. Go ahead, Karen. Hi, how are you? You know, I have to laugh. I mean, this AOC's uh, complaining about Facebook and misinformation. How does she think the Democrats got into a power? During the election, Facebook was constantly giving uh, misinformation and not giving any information at all. And uh, this caller before me, I mean, he was he's using all those adjectives against Fauci, the man of science. How dare he? Right. How dare you? Right. Exactly, Karen. How <laughs> how dare you criticize him? God forbid. You know, meanwhile, his science has been all over the place. Well, speaking about over, over at the place of CNN, Jeff Zucker resigns today. And I can't wait to hear from all of you. What do you make of CNN? First of all, whose ratings have gone down the toilet. He's politicized CNN so much. And he now has had to resign because of an inter-office scandal and tied to Chris Cuomo. Governor Cuomo scandal brought down his brother and now the president of CNN. Take a listen to Howard Kurtz, media expert at Fox, discussing Zucker and Cuomo. It comes out because of the Cuomo brothers angle. You'll recall that Jeff Zucker had this internal probe, decided to fire Chris Cuomo as a primetime host because he accused him of improperly helping his brother, then Governor Andrew Cuomo. Well, Alison Gallus, before she worked for Zucker at NBC and CNN, worked for Andrew Cuomo. And so now Chris Cuomo's lawyers are negotiating his exit. There's fresh reporting today that they perhaps were going to bring this up. In other words, Cuomo, uh, Chris Cuomo's people saying, uh, if you think I had a conflict with Andrew Cuomo, what about you? Let's see all the messages that you and Alison Gallus had with Andrew Cuomo. So it gets a little bit tangled. 
it's gotten really tangled. Is this karma for CNN? Well, President Trump says so because he says they have long been, quote, a world-class sleazebag, basically, heading the organization. That's how he describes Jess Zucker. So what do you think the role of the Cuomos was in Jeff Zucker leaving CNN? And what's the future of CNN? I think Donald Trump should go buy it and turn it into the conservative news network. That's my take. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Well, there is no love loss between Donald Trump and Jeff Zucker. By the way, Jeff used to be head of NBC. I worked at NBC for a while. Jeff was my boss for a while. Um, And he was also working with Donald Trump when Donald Trump was doing The Apprentice, remember, which was at NBC. Well, now it has come out that Jeff Zucker, who has been head of CNN and really has turned it into a big political machine. They used to be sort of just the facts, ma'am. You know, uh, Adam 12, just the facts. And they've turned now into such a political machine where they have constantly just made a living out of trying to bash Trump. And their ratings really have taken a tremendous hit. And it turned out today that Jeff Zucker, the head of CNN, was having an affair, not telling the folks at CNN when they were investigating Chris Cuomo. Remember that whole scandal with Chris Cuomo and Andrew Cuomo? And during the investigation, they asked him if he was having a relationship with this person, senior person there at the network, who also was in communications, big chief with Governor Cuomo. So it had all these Cuomo ties. And everybody thinks it's basically the fact that this relationship has now come to light. Jeff Zucker resigning is basically Chris Cuomo and the Cuomo family kind of doing a little bit of dirty work. Because, remember, he's the one who let go Chris Cuomo after the whole thing came out that he was helping his brother to maybe smear some of the women that were accusing his brother. And so now this was, in a way, payback. That's what some of the reports are. Well, Donald Trump came out and said, Jeff Zucker is a world-class sleazebag, um, and basically the world's a much better place with Jeff Zucker gone. This is what Brian Stelter had to say. He's, of course, the media critic there at CNN. Two layers I would add to that, okay? Number one is the Chris Cuomo reference. Cuomo was fired in December, and he is not going out quietly. He was fired, and there were reports that he wasn't going to get paid the millions of dollars that were going to be on the remainder of his contract. So as a source uh, said to me earlier today, he was trying to burn the place down. He was going to court, trying to burn the place down, and claiming that he had incriminating information about Zucker and Gullist. So if that's the case, if this is a domino effect, that begins with Andrew Cuomo going down the governor's office and then Chris Cuomo being fired from CNN and then Jeff Zucker losing his job at CNN. That is a remarkable domino effect, a chain of events. I think that is part of the story here. Yeah, it sure looks like that. So here's what I think. I think Donald Trump, who's launching his like truth social soon, should now buy CNN and turn it into conservative news network. Can you imagine that? Or maybe Cuomo gets it. He calls it Cuomo News Network. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in New Hampshire. Pete, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. Yeah, the first, at CNN, they could save CNN, but there's only one way to do it. Whoever is hired to replace Zucker, what, what they need to do, that individual needs to go in there and do a total house cleaning, a makeover on that play, that company. And get rid of people like Humpty Dumpty Stelter and start from the bottom up and go right on through 
clean it out, reorganize it, shuffle it around, and get it all done. They no, you're done. right. You're right. But by the way, that would that would be a lot of cleaning. That would have to be a major, major overhaul. Let's go to Joe in the Bronx real quick. Joe, your thoughts real quick. Hi, Rita. It's uh, I'm a retired cop. We've spoken many times. Um, I was on in the early 80s. You just had a uh, retired detective on. I believe his name was Sean. Uh, that was known throughout the land about Eric Adams being a racist. Uh, well, you know what? Listen, first of all, um, you know, that's a very heavily charged word. But do call back tomorrow. We're going to talk about Biden's visit to New York with Eric Adams tomorrow. And we'll continue the discussion. It's going to be a big day. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 